Hello, everybody. It's Stefan Katanik here, founder and CEO of Vesa Digital. We're taking a little bit of a turn today. Uh, Mario is going to be doing some other podcasts, but I really wanted to take this one and, you know, introduce you to Andy. Andy has founded three creative agencies on his own. Uh, he's based in Toronto and he has worked with some of the biggest companies in Toronto and in Canada. And I'm here today to really learn more about Andy and what he did at his creative agencies to really help share the success with our other agency founders and owners that are watching this podcast right now. And as you know, the Vesa Talks podcast, it's, you know, every single week we dwell into the world of entrepreneurship, uncover the strategies and tactics of successful online business leaders. And who better yet today than Andy himself, another fellow Torontonian. Andy, welcome to Vesa Talks. Thank you very much. Thank you for the introduction. Thank you for having me on your on your podcast. Um, You're welcome. Happy, happy to be here. Um, happy to chat about founding agencies, uh, types of clients that I worked with, where I found success, where maybe not so much success, um, and how it all started and how I got there. Um, Excellent. You know, I was I was really intrigued by your profile. You know, and and all that you've done, and the kind of clients that you worked with. And let me tell you, man, early on at Vesa Digital, when you know I first started this agency many years ago, I was always wondering, how do you get these big clients? How do these big people work with these, you know, small to medium-sized yeah. agencies that are mid-market, right? And it was always an enigma to me. And only after a few years of just grinding it in and out, you know, doing cold email, doing advertising, SEO content, that a lot of these relationships. Um, are created basically offline. I don't know if that's the case for you, but I know for our biggest clients, like there is a mixture of digital, but a lot of offline relationship building does go into into effect. So yeah. Um, yeah. that's just from my experience. How was it for you? Yeah, um, the same. Um, given that I'm older than you, and, and I'm sure than many of the viewers, um, when I started on my own, uh, everything was offline. There was no online. Um, mm -hmm. so, um, I think, uh, for, for me, and, and this is just happenstance, the way things were, uh, it certainly wasn't a plan at the time. Um, when I started uh, in this business, uh, I was a copywriter at an advertising agency. I, I talked my way into my first job. I had no advertising experience whatsoever. A friend of mine had just gotten a job as a copywriter. I had no idea what a copywriter was. Except that when I was younger, even in, in high school, he and I started our own newspaper. And even before that, I always loved writing. So I would write all kinds of stuff. I thought I would write fiction, I would write whatever, write poetry, whatever it was. So I just had an affinity for writing. I could just sit myself down and write. And so in high school, we started our own newspaper because we thought the school newspaper was boring. Um, and then I worked at a number of odd jobs. I traveled in Europe and so on. And when I came back, I figured I have to do something. And I just found out he got a job as a copywriter. And in his first job, he was working on General Motors doing TV commercials. And I thought, wow, that's cool, right? Here's a young kid and already he's doing GM TV spots. I thought, okay. So I, I put together basically a fake portfolio and just started knocking on doors and finally talked my way into a small agency. Then they hired me. Uh, long story short, I worked for six different ad agencies before I went on my own freelance. And in retrospect, that was great training and a great way to build a portfolio because when you work for these agencies, 
you're working on big clients that you'd never get on your own. And you know from your own experience how hard it is when you're starting up and wondering, how do I get these big clients? Well, the short answer is you don't because you don't have any credibility yet. Nobody knows who you are. And you're up against every other agency from the global agencies to the smallest local agencies that are maybe no bigger than you, but they've been established for 10 years. So right. you're, up against the, you're up against those guys, whether you know it or not, right? And so, you know, how do you, how do you get started? And for me, I, 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 I talked online, I talked to a lot of, uh, you know, younger people who are wanting to get started. And I see them coming out of school, wanting to be an entrepreneur, wanting to start their own agency, not wanting to take a job somewhere. Uh, for whatever reason and, and to me i'm not i'm not sure if that's always the right approach because the job not only gets you experience dealing with bigger clients and really understanding how they think right so they've got a million bucks a year to spend how do they think about that how, how do they want to spend that money what do they want to do right who's in charge of actually doing all of that stuff um so in the end, you end up doing projects and you get nice projects in your portfolio. Um, big names, people recognize, they flip, you know, they look at your portfolio and they say, wow, you worked for all these guys? Yeah, I did. Um, and and then you also get mentorship. You, you're starting there. You're going to be working for a creative director, maybe an associate creative director, depending on how big the place is. There are other writers, other designers, there are other programmers. You learn from all of them. Like, just you know, keep your eyes and ears open, and 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 watch and and see how they do things. And you know, if you're in an agency and you're one of, say, you're one of the writers or you're one of the designers, and there are more senior writers and designers, make them your friends, learn from them. You know, let let them teach you. So think about it. It's it's free learning while you're being paid. You know, you're not, you don't have to go to, you don't have to go to school somewhere to take this course. You got a guy sitting right next to you showing you how he or she does whatever it is you're doing. And right. you, you, you can't get that any other way. You know, it's yeah. just that, that, really that rubs, that rubs off on you. Yeah, definitely. It's like osmosis. You know, if you're around all yeah. these different people with a lot of experience, you're going to absorb it and you're going to be, you're going to become that. Yeah. You know, you'll, you'll see them working on projects that you're not working on. So even though you're not working directly on the project, you're watching somebody else do it. Right. And then, then you also, as you work at different places, you learn their processes. Cause if you ever think of wanting to start your own agency, you, as, as I'm sure you experienced yourself, um, how are you going to run the place? Like exactly. what, what's what software are you going to use? How are you going to do your accounting? How are you going to do your you know your estimating, your invoicing, all the admin stuff it takes to run a business? Because you know now you're running a full on business, right? Mm -hmm. Again, if you're an employee, keep your eyes open, right? Do you get a chance to look at estimates? Do you get a chance to look at an invoice, see what it says? Because one day you're going to have to create that yourself, right? How right. are you going to do it, right? What what platforms are they using? What platforms are they using to do their admin stuff? Some are better than others. Uh, at least it gives you a head start, you know. And, and to me, I would say make notes, take take yeah. notice of what's going on around you uh, before you you try to go out on your own. And then, as you said, you know how how do you get your first relationships, you know, with potential clients? 
Yeah, for me, they all happened uh, offline. I mean, I can tell you, I started my freelancing, which I did for six years on my own, out of my home, through one introduction to a, a massive client, which at the time was Ontario Hydro, right? Now it's Hydro One since they've broken up the company. But Ontario Hydro was running all of these conservation programs and they needed a lot of materials. And mm -hmm. they had somebody else working for them and the client wasn't happy with them. And, and this guy came by, I was working at an agency sort of part-time and he came by and he said, would you be interested in seeing this person? I said, sure. Um, and I went down and that was the start of a long, long relationship uh, that led me forming my first agency with Ontario Hydro as a client. Right. Mm -hmm. So think about it for a second. Um, yeah. we, we were we were billing hundreds of thousands of dollars right out of the gate. Um, see, I, I see all these people running smaller agencies and it's all about cold calling, emailing, hustling and all that stuff. I'm terrible at that. I, I really am. You know, and I, and, I, and I see, you know, people who do this professionally, they say, well, you know, it's just a numbers game. You're going to make 100 calls and 95% of them you're going to get turned down. Nobody wants to talk to you and you're going for the other five, right? I, I couldn't do that. I'm, I'm not built for that. I, I'll be the first yeah. to admit it. Um, it would be too discouraging. Uh, I would quit for sure. Um, so I would rather build fewer but more solid relationships and right. you know even this client that i spoke about who got me into ontario hydro she was there for a long time and then she left for another job well in the meantime i had created other relationships within ontario hydro which meant that when she left i didn't lose the client but also when she went to the new client she brought us in there and who is the new client? CIBC, right? So now we're working for a major bank. And I had no relationships with that bank, uh, you know, but because they hired her at the level that she was, she had the freedom to bring in her own suppliers. So next thing you know, there we are having meetings at CIBC because I'd kept that relationship with that person. And she moved around a couple of times and always took us with her. I could name five clients like that. When they left their job, I kept the existing client as a client and I gained a new client. It's, it's the easiest way. But yeah. you, ha you have to work on having a genuine relationship, which, and again, I know things are different and you're running a global agency, for example. And so to see people face to face is just not practical. Sometimes it's not possible. You're on different continents and it just works that way. I yeah, get we it. try, we try our best. Okay. Usually what we'll do is usually what we'll do is once a quarter, we'll, we'll visit our top 20% of our clientele, go yeah. on site, you know, check yeah. out what they're doing, talk about some of the strategies in person, you know, put a face and, and a voice and a handshake behind the screen. Right. And, and actually yeah. build that, that relationship. And, Look, we've have we have clients and partners that have been with us now for two, three years at a time and yeah. we're yeah. getting them results. We have a good relationship and ours is a little bit different because we're working more with the venture back B2B software as a service companies, right? And we're working directly with the founders. On our side, we better hope this agency this uh SaaS company succeeds because, yeah. you know, 
it's our yeah. bread and butter. And chances of the yeah. founder finding another company after this are much lower if it fails than you know if sure. it succeeds, right? So ours yeah. is you know same mindset but different industry to market, right? And so um, yeah. huge on the on the relationships. What really resonated with me what you said, and you made a good point is when these young people come on board. You know, yeah. I, I always tell them, I said, listen, prioritize the skill development on an accelerated level by actually putting yourself in in a high responsibility job that has a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, in the trenches kind of work, right? Yeah. Because you're going to yeah. be learning from people. You're going you're gonna to learn the lingo. You're going to see how the operations work and all that stuff, right? And then look yeah. at the money because your skills are going to yeah. compound over time and then you're going to get the big bucks for your skill set, yeah. what you can do. And, yeah. and it's an amazing industry to do it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great advice. Um, I I see that online too. And and I mostly keep my mouth shut because I'm not here to insult people or or to pick fights, but some people, I mean, they have big dreams, but their skills haven't quite caught up to their dreams. Right. And I, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, I learn by doing, and I have written, millions and millions and millions of words and 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 when i first started i was lucky even the small agency i was at they had a senior copywriter there who became a mentor to, to me he crossed out 75 percent of what i wrote it was just you know so, no andy it's not good enough no 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 you turn the sentence around like right down to you know individual sentences and words and he would sit there with me and and we would go through this and that's how you learn. I mean, that's how I learn. Maybe there's an easier way, but that's how I learned. And, and after a while, you know, you, you develop your own style, you develop your own capabilities. And then, you know, when later on, when you meet with clients and they give you a briefing from that briefing, you can take that and make something of it. You know, you can make a project, you can bring something back to them that, that makes sense and, and is, is well crafted and so on. But if you try to do that in year one or even in year two, you probably can't, not really. And, and I, I, yeah. I see stuff, I see stuff and it's just, it's just kind of substandard. It's, it's not as good as it should be. Um, because I think people are, you know, biting off a little more than they can chew too, too early. And, and so if my, my advice is, you know, like, like at your, at your agency, you know, if you hire young people, I'm sure they're going to learn a lot by working with your teams and, and learning how you work and learning how your clients work, what your clients ask of you, whether, uh, you know, whether it makes sense sometimes or not, right. You get, <clears throat> you get requests and you think, Oh, how are we going to do this? And it's your job to figure it out. Right. And it's not even just the, the, the nuts and bolts of what you turn out and what you give back to them but the steps before that figuring out what this project really should be sometimes clients ask you for things they're doing their best but sometimes you know the clients aren't the most experienced either so they're asking you for something that they don't quite understand um but they they they're doing their best right you have to have a, a a good way to tell to tell them what might be a plausible answer? What what would work? Uh, what what would be the answer to to the problem that they see right now? Right? It takes it takes confidence and it takes some experience to do that. Right? Because when yeah. you're starting, when you're starting, if a client asks you for something, 
you you think your job is to do exactly what you're asked to do. And, and in many cases, it is. In many cases, if the client has appropriate experience and has been through this a number of times, yeah, just do what you're just do what you're asked to do. But sometimes, you know yourself what you're being asked doesn't really make sense. So you have to be confident and experienced enough to tell the client in a nice way, a diplomatic way. Here's here's what I think the answer is to to your your problem, right? So, to me, this is all you know. This is all your apprenticeship. This is all putting in your time before you go out on your own. Absolutely. And then, come out with you know as you as you go on to you're gonna you're gonna find yourself in a consulting role whether you officially promote that or not right because you're not just there to take orders and you know as a writer be somebody's wrist right and just say okay i'll I'll just write this for you you're also there to think right think about what what is it that that needs to be done here and you know, and, and maybe it's just something that, that falls in line with what they're already doing, but maybe something completely new. If it's a whole new project, where, where do you start? So there's an element of consulting involved there to say, here's what I think you should do. Here's why. Here's who you're talking to. Here's your, your audience, your client, your potential clients, et cetera. Here's, here are their problems. Here's what they're looking for. Here's how I think you should answer that. Cool. That's, so, Andy, back in the day, was was there a term called white labeling where you would white label other agencies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, we we didn't work that way when when we when we had our agencies. Um, we would work with other vendors, but we would we wouldn't hide it, right? And we wouldn't pretend that we were doing it. Um, mm-hmm. because a lot of times, you know, if you're doing TV spots, if you're doing radio spots, you're going to start working with other production companies, right? You're going to go into a studio somewhere to record the radio spot. The client wants to come. It's obviously somebody else's studio. It's not our studio, right? And, and these, are, but these are the people we chose. So we would, we would justify to the client why we chose that partner for this project and why mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, we we would uh, for example hire illustrators uh, outside illustrators sometimes we, we didn't hide who they were in fact it was sometimes a feature because they're sometimes you know all star recognized illustrators and and it would be uh, a feather in our cap to say hey we got this person to work on your project we did we did work for example for Canada Post we designed poster stamps right mm-hmm. so. Cool. You know, for younger people to say, well, what's a postage stamp, right? <laughs> Who needs it? Well, I got news. Canada Post cranks out dozens of postage stamps every year and designers design yeah. them. They're all they're all handed right. out to different designers, right? right? And if you ever did a postage stamp, then your name is permanently in the Canadian archives as a designer of that stamp. And there's all kinds of peripheral stuff around us. Yeah. It's not just the little stamp you see because they produce all kinds of stuff for collectors. So the project is substantially bigger than, than you think it is. It's like the tip of the iceberg, right? So, and for stuff like that, sorry, it's a long way of saying, we would bring in illustrators or photographers to do that because they wanted something special. Uh, and, and so it was obvious and, and it would go into the credits, you know, who, who did what. 
so we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't work so much on a, on a white label basis for, for most of us it was pretty transparent yeah because i have a lot of other young agency owners who are when i say young i mean you know early early 30s late 20s people who are just starting off in the agency world and basically like the most everyone understands it's probably the easiest way to make money online today because all it takes is a required skill set whether in sales or marketing and to basically put an offer together and provide an actual valuable offer to that end client. And then, um, you know, sometimes instead of hiring a group of freelancers or contractors, they would hire another agency at a preferred rate and then white label them for the services, right? It's this new type of way of basically how agencies are scaling their operations. So I thought maybe back then during your times, um, if that was a thing or if if they were mostly backdoor deals that were happening behind the scenes, right? So um, thanks for sharing that. So some sometimes I mean ag- agencies would hire freelancers um, mm-hmm. that they didn't necessarily disclose to the client. So the freelancer would do the work, and the agency would present the work as their own. Uh, they're they're ultimately responsible for the work, right? Um, but uh, yeah, that 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 happened, and, and and usually for an agency when they got too busy, right? So they'd have a certain number of staff, and they needed to augment that staff, and and they would find somebody to to help them with it. Other agencies, uh, you know, companies that call themselves agencies were really really not that deep in in their in their teams, and so as soon as they got a project, you know, they they would have to find somebody to help to help do that, right? So, yeah, somebody starting a small agency or as a freelancer working for agencies, I think is, is a good way to go as part of your clients. I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus on doing that for all of my business, but yeah. I would for some of it for the same reasons. Uh, you're you're going to work on bigger clients probably than you could attract on your own. You get to meet new people. You grow your network, all, all of that stuff. Excellent. So let's talk about your book right now. You know, what are some key actionable sites? Let's say an agency of my size right now, we're around 60 people. We focus primarily on the B2B SaaS space with uh, creating the marketing websites and then doing demand generation to their sites. Um, what would be some key piece of advice for us? Um, for, for me, and, and again, what I just described, how I started, I, I, I think you you need to consciously work your way up the food chain uh, to get bigger and bigger and more established clients. Yeah. Um, I think the, the challenge is, you know, these days, you know, there's lots of people starting up companies and so on, and then they want to work with somebody like yourself, and, and they are a very new young company depending on where they're at with their funding and who's who pays for things and and how much of a team they can afford to pull together um you sometimes end up working with founders who have very little experience in marketing because they're focused on whatever it is their their product is right and so to me i always wanted what i call professional clients and Mm -hmm. and professional clients are clients where first of all that's their job their job is to be the marketing client they're, they're not wearing all of the hats of the company they are the marketing person they have a they have a budget that is an allocated dedicated budget it's not money that they have to scramble to find 
So to, to me, that's sort of a mark of an amateur client um, because what happens when you have a meeting, one of the very first things they want to know is how much it's going to cost. Why mm-hmm. do they want to know? Th- why do they want to know that? Because they don't yeah. really have a defined budget. So they're going to have to figure out how they can find that budget. Where are they going to find it? Right. I, I, I never, I never, I had clients like that. I never looked for them. I didn't necessarily want them. Um, yeah. I, I, want, I wanted clients that had defined marketing budgets. And, and so to me, that, that would be a test for some, an agency like yours when you're meeting somebody new. I'm sure somewhere along the way in the conversations, you're going to ask what's their projected marketing budget, right? What, 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 uh, what, how much are they allocating towards marketing? What kind of, what level should you be looking at? Right. I, I like how you position that. Like, what's your projected marketing budget? Yeah, because things change. Right. I, I mean, but but you need you need to know, are, are we talking 10,000 or 100,000 or a million? Where, yeah. where where is it? Right. What's what's the deal here? Because sometimes sometimes it's really obvious, uh, and, but sometimes it's not. Right. Um, and especially I think it's a very fair question if, if you're talking mm-hmm. to, you know, young SaaS companies, because you need to get an understanding where their heads at. Where, what are they thinking? Right, be- yeah. because it might uh, <laughs> it might be a very short meeting um, if what they're thinking doesn't line up with what you're hoping. Definitely. And have you seen recently? Have you seen any new trends come up in the agency space in terms of services? Um, it's it's all over the place. It it, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, there there are small agencies that have a very very tight focus. They only do, you know, one thing. I, I know a guy, he, he runs an influencer agency. That's all he does. He, he, he manages influencers. He, he uh, tries to pair them up with clients and so on. But that's, that's it. Like, they don't create content. They don't do any of that stuff, right? He's, he's, he's basically an influencer management company. That's what they do. Nice. Right? Nice. Uh, 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 yeah, right? So you think, well, okay. You know, and if, if you think that that's if, if that's a business, that's a viable business, and 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 there's enough in it, and and you can find the right influencers, and you can match them up with the right clients, and and there you go, right? Um, and and you know, figure out who's going to pay for that, and is it is it worth your while to actually do that? And and I see others, you know, much more general, some in a very performance-based space, right? So they're working with clients who, who uh, you know, are looking for email campaigns and they're looking for a return and, and all of that stuff. So they've got, they've got their choices of software. They've got their processes that they use. They have their formulas and, you know, in through the top and out the bottom. Um, and and this, is, this is what we know works because we've sent a, a billion emails in our history and uh, and here's here are the results we've had. Here are some case studies, and we can pretty well guarantee it works at least at this level. So they're they're like that. Uh, others, you know, now with all the AI tools that are out there and 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 TikTok and everything else. I mean, I don't know how many bandwagons you want to jump on, um, but there's so much, right? It's 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 yeah. such it's become such a big 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 world. 
and you know, if you watch TV, I mean, as we were recording this last night was the Super Bowl. And so you get these extravagant, incredibly expensive commercials that some agencies somewhere are producing. That's what they do, right? Yeah. They make they make TV commercials for some of these companies and spend a fortune in media dollars for their 30 seconds on the Super Bowl. That's that's a thing, right? But probably for a much more established, bigger agency to take on an assignment like that. Um, so it's it's all over the place. It it really depends on who you are, what skill sets you're bringing, um, where you would fit in. I mean, there are lots of independent freelance writers. That's what they do. They they work on their own. Um, they find their clients and that's it. That's, that's the skill set they bring to it. There are other people who just want to make, you know, TikTok videos and, and they yeah, figured out their own, right. Yeah, we figured seeing, out their own formula and, and that's yeah. what they want to do. We're seeing a big trend now with short form content agencies, basically agencies that, that would take this podcast, for example, cut up all the content in little tidbits for, you know, YouTube shorts, TikTok, uh, yeah. Instagram reels, Twitter, all these different yep. social media platforms and right now like these types of agencies are making a killing because it's such an in-demand in-demand service because not everyone can do it right and so supply mm-hmm. and demand naturally people are going to want to do the you know su- supply what the what the biggest demand is and today we're seeing loads of that yeah yep. so for, for for that for example my my question would be you know what kind of clients want that mm-hmm. and is is this is this an ongoing client relationship or is it a one-off, right? Mm -hmm. Does somebody at the client say, Oh, I just read about or saw something about this and we should be doing this. We need to find somebody who can do this for us, right? We, we need to create one big piece of content. We need to chop it up 10 different ways and use it all over the place. That's the great way to, to make use of our budgets and make use of the media that we've created and, and how we can get it out there. So they say, okay, yeah. so you find, you find somebody like that, right? There's, as you said, there are lots of people out there doing it now or trying to do it, right? Yeah. So as the agency, though, and you work with the client, is this something they want to keep doing? Is, is this going to be a client of yours a year from now, two years from now? Or is this kind of the flavor of the moment and we want to do this, but then it's not really a strategy. It's, it's more of a – it's more – of a way of doing things, but, but what's, what's the bigger strategy behind it? Now there are, there are companies out there. They, they believe this works for them and this is part of their strategy and they've thought this through and they understand the different platforms they're going on. So they understand how's this content going to live on Facebook? How's it going to live on TikTok? How's it going to live on all these other platforms, right? If you can figure that out, if you can, chart that for somebody and say, here's what we do. Here's where it goes. It goes on all these different platforms. And here's, here are the things you need to know about each platform and and how we need to adapt and how we need to tweak and what is it we're measuring and, you know, what constitutes a good number, what's success and what is not success and how often have we been able to be successful and, and what are you getting as a rate of return for your investment? Is, is this actually worth doing? Uh, it's kind of fun, right? right? right. See all your stuff all over yeah. the place. That's great. But how are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, does yeah. does this convert? Does this actually convert? Or are, are, are we are we meeting whatever goals we set for ourselves? 
Yeah. So Andy, what are you up to now? Um, I'm promoting my book. I'm considering uh, a second edition of my book. Um, I've learned a lot since I've published the first one. Uh, have interacted with many, many people. Um, I see some things that I, I could do an updated version of the book. Um, other than that, uh, traveling, um, watching objects get shot out of the sky. <laughs> maybe, maybe all this conversation could be for nothing once the aliens truly invade. You know? <laughs> um, things, things are going to be different real fast. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm. You know, the, the, the blunt answer is I'm. I'm mostly retired. <laughs> I can't help but find projects for myself, so I keep writing because that's what sure. I do. You know, yeah. um, I have many, many, many books that I still want to read. So uh, if I was, if I was any smarter, I would stop buying books. But there you go. Um, now I know and, it's you're writing, right? I think that's yeah. the next big thing is the actual books instead of reading them. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's uh, that was fun. That was uh, it was a nice sort of meaty project to to get into. I mean, I, I would I would sit down every day and write, uh, and you know, start putting it together and and creating this book, um, which I, I had never done before. But I had again, you know, even that. So the book is like three hundred and twenty pages or something. Um, I had never written anything that long before, but I had written in, you know, in the agency days, I'd written long pieces. So 30, 40, 50 pages, you know, and it's a, it's a matter of managing that much information and content and making it logical, making it mm -hmm. make sense. <clears throat> it's the same, same sort of skill that goes into, say, if you're doing a client presentation, right? Like right. what's, what's appropriate for that presentation how long should it be what are the key points how you how do you organize it how do you order your information all, all of that stuff what does it look like what does it feel like um yep. see and that's that's just just on that that's another skill that you can learn if you get a job at an agency right it's not just client stuff it's doing agents you, your own agency presentations if, if you're a designer you're probably going to end up doing some of those because when it comes time to do that kind of a presentation, one of the designers is going to put it together. Okay. So now when you have your own agency, do you know how to put together a presentation? It'd be helpful if you learned from somebody else who's done dozens of them. Exactly. You know, exactly. You know what I mean? No, like, really good. You, you, know, you don't want to, you don't want to learn everything the hard way. You, you want to figure That's out true. how to learn, learn some things the easy way. And, and That's true. we had, a, we had an expression that we use and we say standing on the shoulders of giants you want to stand on mm -hmm. the shoulders of giants the view is much better from way up there oh for sure 100 you know? yeah i like that piece yeah. of advice that you gave early on to young people you know just get in there get the experience understand the back end process yeah. of how an actual business is run and then go start your own thing i think that's um, yeah. my biggest takeaway from this call also i also like what you mentioned now standing on the shoulders of giants you know, the view is yeah. much better from there. People who have done it, people who are doing yeah. it and just seeing from that perspective, it, it's a complete game changer. And you combine that with the experience that and the skills that you built up until now, it can really take you to the next level. So no, that, that's, that's mm -hmm. all really good. I'm going to, I'm going to also, we're going to post your link in the, in the comments here for the YouTube channel. 
But if sure. you want to let all the listeners know that are listening to us from Apple and Spotify, where they can find more information about you and your book. Sure. Um, on Online, um, if you search my name, Andy Strote, last name is S-T-R-O-T-E, you'll find me. Uh, you'll find my website. You'll find my book on Amazon. You'll find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Um, see, that's another good. There's another good tip. That's another reason to write a book. I'll tell you why. Google loves Amazon, and and also for for people looking for for jobs and stuff. I know some people find LinkedIn a little old school. They don't necessarily love LinkedIn. Um, Google loves LinkedIn. If you want to get yourself noticed, if you want to get yourself found, build your LinkedIn profile, make use of all the tools that are there. You can publish stuff on LinkedIn. Um, that's, that's how you get found. Um, so that's the, that's the easiest way for me. Um, you know, as, as an individual, is, is to make sure you're out there in places that, that Google finds easily. Find, Google finds those uh, sites much faster than they find my own site. I mean, my own site is getting up there because I've got, I don't know, 70 or 80 blog posts on it. So, and, and Google sees that it keeps getting updated and, and slowly but surely you start to rank, right? But in the beginning, no. So hitch a ride, you know, get, get on LinkedIn, get on Amazon if you've done anything that you're selling there. Cool. All right, Andy. Well, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure having you on the Vezza Talks podcast, and I look forward to connecting with you out, outside, of the, outside of the realm of podcasting. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me as a guest. It was my pleasure.